to Teledyne Advanced Chemistry Systems Tech Talk podcast. Our goal is to bring you useful information and offer solutions for your applications and analytical needs. Teledyne Advanced Chemistry Systems represents a group of companies existing of Teledyne Techmar, Teledyne SeaTech, Teledyne Lehman Lab, and Teledyne Hastings. Welcome back to the Tax Talk podcast. Today we'll be discussing the evolution of TOC or total organic carbon. This is part three in our three-part series of evolution of various techniques. Part one discussed ICP, inductively coupled plasma spectrometers, and part two covered mercury analyzers. Today we'll be discussing the history, markets, applications, and how the TOC instruments impact our day-to-day lives. Our guest speaker is Tyler Trent, who is the Elemental Marketing Manager at Teledyne Techmar. Welcome, Tyler. Thanks for joining us today. Thanks, Bessie. Can you just start out by giving everybody a little background about yourself? Sure, Well, So, I graduated from Thomas More University in 2010 with a, a degree in chemistry, a BS in chemistry. Um, while I was there and post-college, I was able to work for the US EPA. Um, so I worked for the US EPA doing ICP research for a little bit. And then I found this job here at Teledyne Techmar as an applications chemist. Um, so I worked in the lab as an applications chemist for a few years running the VOC and the TOC products. Um, kind of migrated through the uh, application sales specialist into the uh, international sales manager for a little bit. Now I'm in charge of the elemental business here at uh, Techmar Lehman Labs, where I do the ICP, Mercury, and TOC product line. So you've worn quite a few hats here at Techmar. <clears throat> yes, I have. Um, okay, so. We're going to just focus today then on your TOC knowledge uh, for our audience. So let's start by briefly explaining what TOC is, the theory behind it, and various markets and applications that use TOC analysis. Okay, sounds great. So TOC stands for total organic carbon. So what are we really looking for within TOC? Well, it's pretty simple. We're just looking for organic carbon. We're just looking for carbon itself. There's many different types of carbon. There's purgeable carbon, there's inorganic carbon, there's non-purgeable inorganic carbon, or like what we will refer to as MPOC. So TOC has been around for a very long time. It's very well established within the US EPA uh, methodologies. So what we really want to know is when we look at carbon, carbon could also turn to uh, biological forms or biological activity within our our samples. So what we want to do is we want to make sure that we measure for the certain amount of carbon or our carbon levels are below. So our drinking water or wastewater or stuff or items that we use for pharmaceutical analysis are clean and are clean enough to put into our bodies for, for use. So as I said, it has various markets. So it can be used inside the environmental market. It can be used inside the petrochemical market for analysis, used within the pharmaceutical market for analysis. So there's a wide range of applications and uses for this. And the sample concentrations can vary from as low as 
oh, less than 50 ppb for water for injection, or you could be looking at uh, industrial applications where you can have up to 10,000 ppm of carbon in, in the water. So it really varies on the application to markets that you're specifically going into as to what type of system you might need. Tyler, why would somebody be looking for carbon? What What is it about carbon that, I guess, created this? So carbon in, in the water could be a, a, a whole host of different things. It could be a volatile organic carbon, um, which would be our purgeable organic carbon that could come out of the water, such as um, like what we would do on Persian Trap here at Teledyne Techmar. But then... When we look at some carbon out in nature, it could be bacteria, it could be plant decay, it could be many different types of materials that have carbon present. And what we want to do is minimize the amount of carbon in our water for drinking water, or we want to minimize the amount of carbon we're putting out into the environment through, say, a petrochemical effluent uh, plant, or they're dumping their water out of power station. So. Uh, we want to make sure what we're putting into our body is clean, but what we're putting out into the environment is also clean itself. Okay, that's that makes sense. So now that we know what what TOC is and various applications, where did it get started? How did it evolve from the beginning? What was the need for TOC initially? Well, it, it's really surrounded by the Clean Clean Water Act, clean drinking water and wastewater. So what we want to make sure that we're doing, um, obviously the testing and the TOC dates back to, oh, be, beyond earlier than 1970s and things like that. Well, we, what they really want to do is, like I said before, is to make sure that the drinking water is clean or water that we're using in the pharmaceutical process doesn't contain certain amounts of carbon. Because if we look at water for injection, so when we want to do a IV or a saline solution or different types of things that could be injected into our body, we need to make sure the carbon content, or that could be any type of biological um, material that have carbon, is less than a certain amount. So we're not introducing any um, extreme amounts of carbon to our body or even into our drinking water. Um, so the, the technology's really been around for a very long time with methodologies kind of staying the same. Um, you really don't see many different changes uh, for the methodologies for TOC. So then if the methodology hasn't changed much over the evolution or since TOC's really been in the market, what has changed then? How about with the technology? What, what's been the biggest advancement? So the biggest advancement is obviously the electronics in the detectors itself. So when we look at TOC, we have a couple different, we have basically kind of two detectors out there. We have an NDIR, non-dispersive infrared. That basically allows us to take our carbon sample, send it through the system via combustion or chemical oxidation and convert that carbon over to CO2 for measurement. So that's one way. And those detectors are getting more sensitive daily uh, because we're improving our electronics, we're improving different types of things and software. Um, so it's gonna be more sensitive for us and that's what's driving 
the change in technology. But then there's also chemical membrane um, or membrane technology that, that looks at conductance and different things like that. And that has a certain sensitivity wrapped around it. So it, the methodologies haven't changed, but what's been changed is the technology that we're putting into these systems as a manufacturer. What do you think those those changes with maybe the detector or anything else have had the most impact on this technology? I think the most impact it's having is obviously a cleaner drinking water that we're putting out to uh, that municipalities are putting out to their customers. But then also it has a better beneficial with lower detection limits in the um, pharmaceutical realm where you're looking at clean in place. You're making sure your um, tanks, your vats, and a bunch of different materials are clean. So there's no cross-contamination of, of different types of, of drugs or, or your water that you're using isn't above the certain threshold that is, is described by USP, uh, sorry, USP 645, 643. Um, so we, we have those certain levels and that's really what's being safer out there. It's, it's these better detectors, these more sensitive detectors are allowing us to push regulations or push limits lower to ensure things are cleaner. Yeah, that makes a lot of sense. We all want to be confident that the medication we take has, has really been tested and no carryover or anything like that. So I am aware that there's two different, and maybe there's more, two different types of TOC analysis, there's a UV persulfate and then there's a combustion or techniques, I should say. What, if, if there's any other, other ones than that, what would it be? And why would somebody choose one or over the other? Well, that's a good question. So there are a couple other techniques out there such as heated persulfate. Uh, but here at Teledyne Techmore, we focus on two topics. UV persulfate, which is chemical, like chemical oxidation, or combustion, which is done by a high-temperature furnace with a catalytic uh, reaction. So there's there's a couple of differences. Why would you want to choose a UV persulfate versus combustion? Well, A, the method that you're running could dictate if it's going to be combustion or UV persulfate. But one, one key driving factor that we look at for the difference here is UV persulfate is used on cleaner samples drinking water, pharmaceutical type of samples sem used in the side of the semiconductor market. Why? Because there's no particulate matter that needs to be oxidized. There you're just looking at mainly a straight water sample. But when you start getting samples that are particulated or ha have some type of turbidity to it um, or sediment, well, UV persulfate won't be able to break down those particulates as good as a combustion system. So when you're starting looking at wastewater, uh, effluent, influent, and different things at um, a wastewater treatment plant, petrochemical plant, or even a certain type of uh, refinery or, or a chemical um, plant, Sometimes you need combustion because the there's particles in there. And that combustion, that high temperature, will completely break everything apart and convert everything in that sample from carbon to CO2 for analysis by the NDIR. So that's the main clear difference is, is A, your method is going to dictate what you're going to run, and B, 
your sample is going to dictate what you're going to run. Is your sample particulated and have some sediments and different things in, inside? Then you're going to need combustion because you're going to need a more aggressive technique. Do you want to run low level and you're in the clean environment, clean drinking water and different things like that? Then you're going to go over to UV persulfate. So UV persulfate's low level and clean and combustion would be just the opposite. It, and this may sound like a, a really dumb question, but could, if you had a clean water or pharmaceutical application, could you run it through combustion or is that just an overkill? You, you theoretically could run it through combustion, but what you're going to lack there is the sensitivity needed oh, because combustion has anywhere between 200 ppb to 500 ppb or half a ppm of background from from things being burned inside that combustion furnace. What you want to do when you want to run low level, you kind of want to focus on the correct technique for that. Gotcha. Okay. Makes a lot of sense. So we've gone through the history and the background and how things have evolved. What does the future of TOC look like in, let's say, five, 10 years? Where do you think it's going to go? So where I think it's going to go, it, it's going to go in probably two different directions. A, it's going to continue down the path of the benchtop analyzers. The benchtop analyzers are going to be your combustion and UV persulfate in, in the certain fields that they're designed for. But in my thought, or in my view, my process, I'm going to think a lot of stuff or a lot of plants are, could go to online analysis. So that's a, an online system for TOC. There are currently online systems out there. Um, there, there are some within the Teledyne family, uh, and they, they work for certain levels, but therefore sometimes they're for higher levels. But with the advances of technology, I believe these online systems can have the sensitivity that a benchtop system will have. So that online system sensitivity will start dropping as long as, as also the benchtop systems will start dropping, um, will have better sensitivity, I should say. And that's going to be indicative of better detectors, better, better components inside the system. So there's going to be a split in the next five years, I believe. It's going to be an online market, which is already there, but I think it could become more dominant than a laboratory instrument. But the online market's made more for the processes or the processing type of customers that do different types of flows, need to monitor water at all times, reactors and different things like that. But I still see the contract labs or your local municipalities be running the benchtop systems. Well, what's going to be there is it's just going to be more bells and whistles, better connectivity to limbs and better detection limits or a wider range um, or smart automation inside the, the system itself. That's good. Yeah, I, we really didn't touch much on online, so that was uh, one area. I'm glad you just mentioned that so our viewers can understand there's, a, there's another option out there too. Um, so it sounds like TOC is here. It's not going anywhere. It's just going, there's plenty of opportunities for it to improve over the years. And um, you have anything else to contribute to that on your thoughts of the future? 
you know, I mean, TUC is always going to be there, it feels like, it seems like, until another technique that can do what's needed will be, could replace it. Because right now, why do I say TUC is always going to be around? We have older type of techniques. So the chemical oxygen demand, COD, or BOD, biological oxygen demand. Those are labor intensive. They're, they use nasty chemicals, produce a lot of waste that has to be specially disposed of. Now, a lot of those techniques, BOD and COD, are being converted over to TOC by using a, a, a conversion factor to make sure that when you're dump, when you're um, sending out your waste or you're, you're, you're expelling your water from your facility into the river, the amount of carbon, amount of biologicals and things like that you're putting into the environment are minimal. Uh, and with BOD and COD, those are very labor-intensive techniques. But with TOC, you get your sample, put it in a vial, put it inside the system, and you have your results within uh, 25 minutes in triple kits. So there will always be a need for TOC because TOC has replaced older techniques, older techniques that aren't safe for the laboratory anymore. Or when I mean safe, they produce a lot of hazardous waste or they use, use hazardous chemicals. So moving forward, I believe there will always be a need for TOC. TOC is a major part of the environmental market, um, and it's a major part of the of the uh, elemental analyzers market too. I mean, it makes up I, I'm going to say every year probably anywhere between 85 to 90 million dollars worth of TOC instruments are sold. Um, that's your wet oxidation, combustion, uh, chemical membrane, online, different things like that. So there will always be a need for TOC moving forward until uh, there's a innovation or a new type of technique that is invented for that type of analysis. So it does sound like there's a lot of, of TOC analysis and different instruments that can perform type of TOC that are being utilized. Yeah, it's part of everyone's laboratory. Anybody in drinking water, wastewater, municipalities, it's a part of their daily life. It's like a staple for the environmental pharmaceutical markets. Well, I think that's that's about all we have for today. Um, I know I've learned a lot about TOC. This has been really interesting to talk with you and about the history, the markets, applications, and how TOC instruments have impacted our day-to-day -day lives. Um, for those who are listening, we will include links on our podcast channel under the episode um, for some additional information relating to TOC. And um, I really want to thank you, Tyler, for your time today. This has been very informative. Thank you, Betsy. Thanks for listening to the Tax Tech Talk podcast. For more information about our products and the solutions we offer, please visit www.teledyneacs.com. If you like this podcast, please make sure to subscribe on Apple Podcast or wherever you're hearing this show. That way you'll never miss an episode. Thanks for listening, and we'll see you again next time.